what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith and i'm joined by a guest co-host who was not okay with calling being called a guest last time no it wasn't last time it was when we tried to record this the first time it's true this is take two uh i'm joined by kristen smith hi how are you i'm good good uh and yes we are here to talk about don't breathe and our legs didn't get the memo last time about the not breathing, and so this is the second time we've had to record this podcast Crazy because legs. Um, our legs kicked everything down. Yes, our our apparently rampant RLS <laughs> made the previous episode unlistenable by jostling the mic around to a <laughs> beat. Um, I was editing, and we. You could hear just like, it was so weird as one of us was jittering our leg up and down and jostling either the mic stand or the mic cord. And so this is the Don't Breathe After episode take two. Yay! Uh, so to kick it off, as always, have you been watching anything this week, wife? I have been. Um, I watched something today, which was completely ridiculous that I refused to tell you about because I wanted to I wanted to everyone to hear your reaction. It's true. What was it? It's an Irish horror movie called Resurrection. Okay. Um cuz it had the, you know, Irish film board stuff on the front in the beginning, so I knew that it was. Um, Can I have a guess as to what this may be about? Sure. Is it about the Lord? <laughs> It's okay. not. It's about ghosts. Okay, so in my brain, this was an Irish movie, and there's a bunch of Irish people who are Catholic, and so in my brain, it was a movie about Jesus coming back and, like, wanting revenge or something. Oh my gosh, no. Okay, that's good. It does It does get pretty crazy, though. Um, Actually, I thought it was pretty good. Um, It just had some shocking things in it, especially near the end. It's really more of, like, an Amityville horror thing. Um, where they move into a house and the the man of the house kind of gets possessed. Okay. But it never really goes through, like, that he's possessed. It, it It's more of like a, like a thriller where, uh, throughout most of the movie, it's a thriller where you don't really know if he's insane and, or if he is actually being possessed by a ghost because no one else sees the stuff. Mm-hmm. And in fact, near the climax... Like, he realizes what he was doing. Like, I really think they could have gone done better at portraying that something was possessing him to do these things. Because it really seemed like he was just having a nervous breakdown. And, in fact, they say that at some point throughout the movie. But, um, he... 
So he kills his wife. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't know if he killed his wife. Like, we're pretty sure. But, but it, we're not sure if, like, he was possessed or if he's just crazy. Um, so then, everyone finally figures out that he's crazy because he goes insane, basically. And he's very, they have a small child who's the most adorable Oh my gosh, little Irish child in the world. He's so cute. And then um, it gets to the climax. Oh, it's not called The Resurrection. I'm so sorry. I couldn't find it on IMDb. (laughs) I have no idea why I said that, because it's called The Canal. What? (laughs) I'm an insane person. Speaking of insane, yes. It's called the canal. Please don't listen to anything I'm saying. Oh, the resurrection was a movie that I did did look at before I watched the canal. The resurrection is an Argentinian horror movie on Netflix about a priest in the 1800s. Yes. So <laughs> I found that on IMDb. Yeah. I feel like one, you buried the lead a little bit, and oh. two. Uh, did, is this basically sinister? Well, like I said, it's Amityville horror. Like, he gets possessed and kills his family. Right, but he's a film archivist. Yes, he is a film archivist. But he's, it, oh yeah. So he's not, it's not like he is watching people die, like the sinister. It's, he sees a, he comes across Um, Some crime scene footage from 1902 that shows that a guy killed his whole family in their house. Oh, okay. So Amityville. Yes. For sure Amityville. (laughs) I knew there was a reason I was saying that, and that's why. Um, So, (sighs) the main horrific thing about this, I mean, he ends up dying too. Like, he goes insane, and they go in the canals, and there's this weirdo scene with his, like, dead wife, and he jumps into a part of the canal with his son and he drowns and the detective of the investigation saves the son. So the grandma's like taken over and here's the crazy insane part. This movie ends by the house possessing the child to kill himself. The three-year-old child. Wow. Jumps out of a car and that's the end. Wow. Yep. He goes inside. He's like, Grandma or whatever the Irish grandma version is, he's like, can I go get my dinosaur book? And she's like, yeah, sure. Just be really quick because we're going to leave this house and never return. And there's a crack in the wall because everyone says there's a demon that lives in the walls. And I said, hey, it's daddy. And the kid's like, what? And uh, he's like, I'm here with mommy. Don't you want to stay with us forever? Cut to the grandma's driving him in the car. He unbuckles his seatbelt and jumps out of the car. Fade to black? Just like hard Uh, cut to credits? That's awesome. I was like, you... Because when he went in the house, I was like, they're not going to kill this kid, right? And then it said, then he talked to his dad and he's like, I was like, you're not going to make this child commit suicide, are you? Because that would be insane. And that's what happened. I'm sorry, spoilers, I guess, but it's kind of too crazy not to talk about. Also, most people won't see that movie. I have kind of weird taste in movies. It's true. Also, Ireland's official stance on toddlers 
F you, baby. <laughs> Why? Apparently. I don't know. I can't think of an oh. American movie that would make a three-year-old jump out of a car. Oh, people would lose their minds yeah, if that would. happened in America. They'd be like, this film is anti-children. This film, I don't know. They, It would just be protested so hard. Yeah, and then the Irish people were just like, I don't know, more potatoes for us. What? <laughs> I don't know. They were like, we almost wiped out because there were too many people and not enough potatoes. So that just solves our problem a little bit. In 2015? Hey, you don't. You just gotta be cautious. Okay. Yep. Anyway, I, yeah, that's the main one I wanted to talk about because it was so insane. How about you? Well, we saw The Precinct Deception. We did on last Saturday. Yes, we had a premiere at a local theater and the movie stars uh, YouTube co-host, written and directed by him and his brother, um, Michael Moray and Matthew Moray. And it stars Slade Oren, who you should be familiar with as a guest on the podcast, and myself, who you should be familiar with as the host of the podcast, (gasps) and Robert Mayo, who you should also be familiar with as the guest of the podcast. Yeah. Um, And it is a buddy cop crime thriller action comedy times movie, and it is the best thing we have ever made under that moniker and and as a group of people making a film it really yeah it really is um i think it's much i think that the last one was really good but this one was a lot better yeah yeah and it is available for free on google drive if you go to that real perspective.blogspot.com you can find a link to it on the blog post with this episode and You can also hear us talking for 25 minutes about the movie. Uh, Kind of a borderline Comic-Con panel-y discussion. It was supposed to be our YouTube video this week, Mm -hmm. but our camera crapped out about halfway through filming. So we uh, fortunately were able to salvage the audio because we recorded recorded it separately. Tip for you uh, YouTubers out there. And we're able to release it as a podcast. So you should go check that out as well. Um, We're all very proud of it. And... It played so great with an audience. It really did. Uh, I was a little bit shocked at how well it played with an audience. Not uh, that I was expecting booze and walkouts or anything, but it just <laughs> it just really worked. Yeah, there were lots of like laugh out loud moments where everyone was laughing. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was just a lot punchier and better. And like I feel like the tension came through a little bit more mm-hmm. than it has in the past. And so I felt like... In those scenes, you could feel the tension in the audience as well. You know, people were very reactive to it. And that was that was cool. It was a good time. It was a good time. And you should also see it. Yeah, go watch it. It's worth your time. It's like 50 minutes. It's not Mm -hmm. that long. It's really worth it. Yep. And also a little bit of a soapboxy thing on that. Uh Um, You know, we're putting our money where our mouth is at at this point, you know, Uh, Both myself and now Mike are movie critics on the internet. And, you know, the the biggest criticism leveled against critics is like, well, if you think it's so easy, why don't you do it? Well, we (laughs) we did it. So, um, and I think it's much better than uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, the movie that Roger Ebert wrote. So, that movie's awful. I've never seen it. It's (laughs) so bad. 
okay. Um, it's just crazy and bad. So this is us uh, putting that putting that to the test and, and just saying like, hey, we know that we talk about this stuff and we don't like a lot of it and people can get mad about how high our standards are or that we're being contrarian or whatever and, um, you know, you call us failed screenwriters and actors and directors and all like that's the that's the number one go-to insult of people who don't like something a film critic says on the internet is like you're just bitter because you failed in the movie business which is hilarious because i feel like most of them don't no no like they're not just writers no interest in being in the film <laughs> business whatsoever zero didn't even begin to try yeah most of them are just writers who like movies so yep. they write about movies yes 100 percent. 100 percent I could think of one person. Who was it? Um, I mean, I'm not going to name names on here, but I could think of one person who's a former, who like tried to be a screenwriter and failed and then became a movie critic. Oh. But also, they're producing movies. They just had a movie that they produced come out. Oh. Um, so it's not like they left the business entirely either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, I mean, that's a little bit of my pol- political rant attached to this movie. But political. And yeah, uh, what else did I watch? What did I watch last? We just week? watched an episode of the of the communities. <laughs> the communities. <laughs> it's and you loved it. That show about a college acapella group <laughs> called the Communities. Yep. Um. No. Yeah, we've been watching season six of Community. Yeah. And it's been. I wouldn't say uneven, but it hasn't been, like, one of their strongest seasons. But even their their weaker stuff is still pretty good. Yeah, we talked about that last time mm-hmm. I was on here. Um, but I think that you're going to want to talk about this latest episode. Yes, we watched Modern Espionage, which is the paintball episode of season six. Yeah. And, man, was it great. Um, <laughs> those paintball episodes are so good anyway, and... They hadn't done one for a few seasons. Mm-hmm. And everyone, like, that's what everyone expected out of Community. So they, they returned to one, and it was it was awesome. It's a, uh, it's like a spy thriller kind of homage parody thing. Oh, um, what does it start out with? It starts off with sort of this Christopher Nolan-y uh, cold open, but also a little James Bondy, And the credits are super James Bondy. Yeah. Um, but it's shot in all these crazy blue hues and uses all these Nolan camera angles. But then there's also nods to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Um, uh. and the hunt for Red October, which I was not expecting, mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a big shootout in a kitchen. So, yeah. Uh, it is great. Yeah. It was so great. And it was hilarious. It was a really funny episode of the show, too. It really was. And, uh, what's his name was on it? Oh, yeah. Camille Nanjiani showed uh-huh. up. What good old what's his name? Good old what's his name? Uh, Dinesh. Hashtag Dinesh's <laughs> dumb chain. Uh, from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I watched Elvis and Nixon. That's what I watched. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I think it's super well acted. Um, Michael Shannon plays Elvis, and Kevin Spacey plays Richard. Uh, Richard Nixon. Oh, yeah. That's the one I really wanted to see. Yes. And I will watch it again with you. I would totally watch that movie again, which is weird because I'm about to criticize it. But um, I and it, it, I did like it, but I feel like it would work better as a stage play. Okay. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about this. You said the camera angles weren't super still, but 
How yeah, does it remind it, you of, like, a play? It just felt like you could get a lot more across in terms of the blocking and stuff. Okay. Um, on a stage, rather than being trapped in the camera. And it just, like, the camera didn't... The camera work wasn't bad, like, it supported the main story, but it also di- wasn't particularly interesting to look at. It was okay. just, it was a lot of kind of just static shots of people in a frame talking. Um, and that's fine. But it, and, and the whole thing moves along with like a good verve anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's pretty varied, uh, as far as its locations, even though it ultimately is supposed to be leading to this meeting. It's supposed to be leading to this one location. It's yeah. not like an hour and a half long play of them just in the Oval Office talking. It's a really long lead up to maybe 18 minutes of movie. Okay. That's actually the meeting between them. Yeah. And they fictionalized a lot of it. Uh, a lot is not known about the details of the meeting besides yeah. uh, what um, what one of Nixon's advisors said um, in an interview once. I'm so sorry. I might be shooting completely in the dark. Is there... I mean, I don't even know if you would know this. Is there a weird random conspiracy about that meeting? Like, I feel like I've heard somewhere in the back of my brain something saying somebody has said that there's a conspiracy theory about that meeting somewhere. I mean, probably there's a conspiracy theory about everything, but Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's a ton of Elvis conspiracy theories. Yeah. But they, the thing is, Elvis wanted to be badged as a federal agent at large. Yeah, why have I, I feel like I've heard this on a podcast before, one of the, like, conspiracy podcasts. I have such good taste. Um, Continue talking. I'm gonna look it up and see if it jogs my memory. Okay. But, yeah, so it's, you know, you've all seen the photo of Nixon and Elvis, and it's kind of weird because Elvis is just like this giant black and white suit with a big gold belt and Nixon looks like Nixon and they're shaking hands. And so it's about the lead up to that and their their eventual meeting. Michael Shannon is really good. Really good as Elvis. Uh he's incredible as Elvis. It's my favorite Michael Shannon performance. I don't like Michael Shannon very much. Okay. Um and he's great in this movie. Kevin Spacey is also a knockout in this movie, but it's to be expected. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's a really good Richard Nixon. I'm so excited about that part. That's the part I was most excited about. You spend (laughs) the least amount of time with him, unfortunately. Uh, Also, Colin Hanks is in this movie. Okay. And he is just so, so much turning into his father. There, There are so many shots in this movie... Where he just reacts exactly like his father reacts. Wasn't he on The Nerdist or something? And he, like, his voice was He has the same laugh. Yeah. He has the same laugh. And when he gets excited about something, Mm -hmm. he... His excited voice is the same as his dad's excited voice. You just always... I mean, I understand that. I am the victim of mini-me syndrome. I'm just my mom. Yes. So I understand that... I mean, I'm fine with it. But gosh, if if your dad was Tom... Hanks and you had Mini-Me Syndrome? I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Knoxville's in this movie. What? Yeah. He plays Elvis's bodyguard. I don't think that I knew that. I didn't either until it started. And he's pretty great. He doesn't get a lot to do, but I like Johnny Knoxville. Just like as a person. Mm-hmm. I just like his whole vibe. 
But yeah, it's it's good. It's worth watching. Um, it's available to stream on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Before we leave this topic, I don't. I still don't remember what podcast I heard this on. But the conspiracy is um, that he Elvis finally got his federal agent wish in 1977, and he faked his own death in order to go undercover. Oh yeah, that's a big thing. He says he wants to remove drugs from the street by going undercover. And into groups like the Commies and <laughs> the Black Panthers and the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones! Yep. Oh my uh, Man, Michael Shannon's so good in this movie. Yeah. You gotta watch it just for Michael Shannon. He's great. He's so great in it. Alright. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that's all I'll talk about. Okay. Yep. I'll save the other ones for next week's podcast. Sounds good. So let's talk some news. Okay. Um, unfortunately, this week it's some sad news. Uh, I already know what you're going to say. Uh, Gene Wilder passed away this this week at the yeah. age of 83. Um, another kick in the pants from 2016. Yeah. I saw the saddest uh, picture today of a bunch of Oompa Loompa... Oompa Loompa... Oh my gosh, I can't say it. Oompa Loompas mm-hmm. uh, being the pallbearers for a purple casket. Oh my gosh. It was so sad. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, and they were like weeping and it was so sad. Ooh. Yeah. That is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, he's most famous as Willy Wonka, but he did a ton of work with Mel Brooks. He was in the original producers. Mm-hmm. He was in Young Frankenstein. He was in blazing saddles he did a bunch of work later in his career with richard pryor Mm -hmm. silver streak see no evil hear no evil stir crazy um the frisco kid with harrison ford he's in that uh i mean just he didn't have a large output compared to a lot of guys who were in the industry as long as he was Mm -hmm. but you always liked it yeah he whatever he was in you just really really ugh you just know, like, everyone, I feel like he's one of those people you just get, like, an emotional attachment to as a person. Yeah. Ugh. He was just a very warm person. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people just have that, like, Mr. Rogers or Tom Hanks, even. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was 70s Tom Hanks, basically. Yeah. Um, Without as much of a uh, an output. and. Yeah. You know, Willy Wonka is great. He's amazing in that role. Yeah, he is. He's so, gosh, he's so good in that role. And part of it is he was an excellent straight man. He did a lot of comedies, but I don't consider him a very funny person necessarily. No, yeah, he was the kind of, I feel like he was the kind of uh, character. Can you, would you consider him a character actor? No. Okay. Well, when he did that, I felt like he was kind of the guy who, especially, I'm mostly referencing from Willy Wonka, but I feel like he was one of those guys where, like, he would just play his part and then, uh, like, all the weird stuff that happened in the chocolate factory, he was just like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. Yeah. He, he let the weirdness around him react to the other weirdness around him. Yeah. And he was just sort of bemusedly caught in the middle of all of it mm-hmm. um you know just like yeah of course this is happening but also it brings me great delight <laughs> um and as far as his comedic chops 
he had really good comedic timing. He was the master of that comedic pause, you mm -hmm. know, and young Frankenstein, when he's getting choked out by the monster and they're doing the charades because he's like, you got to give him the sedative, but he can't talk. And uh, they're guessing. And, and he says uh, he's, you know, gestures on an audio podcast is a bad thing, but he's doing like <laughs> a giving motion. Uh -huh. And Marty Feldman is Igor. He just goes, give, give, set a give sedative and his girlfriend <laughs> figures it out that it's sedative and she knocks out the monster and he takes this beat and then he just looks at marty Feldman and goes sedative and <laughs> the beat makes the joke yeah. you know if i'm describing it to you you can see that it's it would be funny that he he, he says sedative to him mm -hmm. but there's just the beat right before it just the the moment he needs to compose himself before he says anything worse is so funny i mean you can really tell a true comedic actor by their timing and their rhythm. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you were telling me a little while ago this week that uh, he just mastered the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he knew, I mean, like a metronome. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, you can time it if you watch him. It's, it's like clockwork. Like, it's just precision timing on the perfect moment to get the joke out. Yeah. He doesn't wait too long, and he doesn't rush it. He just nails it almost every time he's given something to do. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. He's so great in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah. What uh, What do you think about Gene Wilder passing? I know it's very sad, obviously. but It is. Like, you, as a, as a kid from the 90s, a.k.a. born in 1990, I, he was really, I mean, I didn't get to see, you know, not the not super kids stuff or anything, but uh, he just was always kind of in the background of a 90s child, kid's t life. Upbringing. Yeah, as like the grandfather, like weird, kooky grandfather. Yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh, I just remember the end of... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where he's been kind of weird all the time, and all of a sudden he's this, the nicest man in the universe, and you're just like, I want to be Charlie, because I want you to talk to me like that, because I would feel so good about myself. Yeah. But also <laughs> the scene right before it, the nothing, you get nothing! Yeah. Good day, sir! Oh, he's so good in that movie. Uh, yeah. That's such a great part. Um... Yeah, and, and, you know, the the statement from the family is that he passed away from complications due to Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. which has, was not public knowledge because, and I quote, he could not stand the idea of one less smile in the world. Wow. Yeah. Um, he also passed away listening to Ella Fitzgerald sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Goodness. You're not, I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Surrounded by his family, by the way. So So he died in the best way possible. Yes. Yes. 83 years is a good long time to live. Yeah. And the life he has to show for it is great. Um, yeah. And and he will be missed. And I don't know. We love him. And, and it's weird to think that he's gone because he's... Be He's been gone from the business forever. Mm -hmm. But now that he's gone, gone, he, we know he's not coming back. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us really hoped he would come back for something. Yeah. Um, I know I did. Just some sort of cameo in Spaceballs 2 or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he will be missed. And and he leaves behind a legacy that um, 
that I think shaped a lot of comedic tastes in a lot of people, um, including my own, man. Um, We're going to take a short break and be right back to talk about Don't Breathe. And we're back, and we are here to talk about Don't Breathe, and I almost said Don't Breathe as the and we're back, which is not how that works at all. It was bad. It was... Never mind. You should have been here. Why weren't you here? Why weren't you at the taping of this podcast in our home? Please just be in our house all the time. Yep. Anyway, we're here to talk about Don't Breathe. (laughs) And Don't Breathe is a horror film from this year. Quotes on horror. And we'll get into that later. Um, It's being marketed as one, at least. Produced by Sam Raimi and Ghost House Pictures. Directed by Fede Alvarez, who directed the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. The excellent 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Yeah. And... It's about a group of late teenagers, early 20s people yeah, in early 20s. Yeah, in Detroit where things are not great. Yeah. And they are breaking into houses and stealing stuff. Um but I mean, one of them it sounds like maybe he's not in trouble, but two of them I think at least are in financial trouble, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're just hoodlums. It's they're Well, the main girl, they're, like, doing it for a necessity. Yeah, the idea is that their lives are hard, and so it's it's a little bit Robin Mm -hmm. Hoodie. Because we have to care about them as protagonists. (laughs) Um, And they catch wind of this old war vet from Desert Storm who's blind and whose daughter was killed in a car accident. And he keeps all the cash in his home. And they're going to go steal it because why Why would it be hard to steal from a blind man? Especially one that's a war vet. Hmm, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so they go to his house, break in, and then all hell breaks loose and he starts wrecking fools. I wonder why. Yep, and that's basically the plot. Um, you know, it's supposed to be their, uh, their one last job yeah. before they, they make it out of the biz. And it does not go as planned. Nope. So, yeah, we learned some... Dark secrets about the man along the way, but we'll talk about those in a second. Uh-huh. Um, what did you think about Don't Breathe in general? I thought it was really good. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier, and I would say that I liked it. I did not like it as a horror movie. I loved it as, like, a suspense thriller. Um, I thought it did a really good job at all of those suspense r- rhythms. It really, um... It was really good at the ebb and flow of that tension. Yeah. Um, I think that I thought the twist was a little bit gross, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, I thought the acting was pretty good. Um, Stephen Lang was amazing. Oh, he was so good. (laughs) And uh, what else? I think that it was overall, it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it is so solid. Um. It, I, th- I like what you said about the ebb and flow of tensions. Yeah. It's almost less of this narrative and more of just this experiment in tension. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, a lot of it feels very, very much like the characters are pretty cut and paste. Like, I'm, I wasn't particularly compelled by any character except the blind man, I felt like. Okay. Um, but it, which is, but it's fine. They were, they were 
they were good enough. Um, mm-hmm. The guy that you're supposed to hate is named Money. Yep. And he gets killed immediately by the blind man. So he's not in it enough to really ruin it. Yeah. And then the other two, uh, like, mostly attractive white kids are good. Yeah, they're fine. You do end up caring about the girl who ends up being the protagonist because she does have, like, a more dire situation and she more is at stake for her to get out than for anybody else. Yes, and she's a good actress. She's the heroine girl who gets possessed in Evil Dead, and she's really good in that movie, too. Um, I did not know it was the same person until this week. I didn't know until you told me. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Yeah, she's good, uh, but Stephen Lang steals the show, man. He oh, is yeah. so great in this movie. Um, he's just super buff and intimidating and just fierce. Yeah, I think it goes... It it. I think he really takes it from like what would be just a very middle-of-the-road kind of mediocre quote-unquote horror movie to something a level above. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And with not much. No. He is robbed of... The expression in his eyes. Yeah. And he is also not given a ton of dialogue. No, he's really good at playing blind. And also, I think that he's really good. I mean, I'm really sorry if you've seen it and don't agree with me, but I think he's really good at playing, like, someone who's kind of done some stuff, you know? He is very much, like, black ops, like, his stances and the his actions and his mannerisms are very much so someone who does everything purposefully. Yes. He is so imposing. Yeah. Um, he's just really physically like his physical presence is tension inducing. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of the way he carries himself, the way he stands in the frame and the way they frame him really helps with that. Also a lot of the times, and I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the times he has an opportunity to assault one of the characters with a weapon and then opts to discard the weapon and just beat him with his face. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course. Like, exactly. That's exactly how someone like that would behave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was just, like, a good little touch. And also, they did a really good job portraying someone getting beaten with hardcore oh person fists. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was, yeah, it was it's good. Like, it's not, it's intense, but it's yeah. not gory. Yeah. Um, or particularly graphic for a lot of it. But yeah. we'll get into the graphic stuff in a second. Um, I think it's super well shot. Mm-hmm. The camera work in this movie is awesome. Fede Alvarez really likes playing around with the camera, mm-hmm. which I think is why he's Sam Raimi's Wonder Boy right now. Yeah. Because that's Sam Raimi's... <laughs> Sam Raimi built an entire career on playing with a camera and then sometimes adding good stuff in front of it. <laughs> um, and... You can you can tell a lot of Raimi's influence in in the movie, uh, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, none of it feels like it's ripping off anything Sam Raimi did. But you could tell, like, if Sam Raimi directed this movie, he would probably make a lot of these choices. Yeah. Um, the smartest choice the movie makes is when they first break into the house. There's a very long tracking shot. Yeah. That sets up the geography of the house. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, it's really important. To the rest of the story. It's a little bit clunky of a tracking shot because you can tell there was a lot of digital trickery that Mm -hmm. was stitched the several shots together. But it's really effective as far as conveying information goes. It is. You have a really good grasp of... I think you get a way better grasp of the movie because you know where they are. You know where the... You know where the blind guy might be. And you can visualize that. Yeah. 
I think that actually might add to the tension, too, because you're like, oh, crap, he might be right behind this door, or oh, crap, he's, like, right upstairs, and he's gonna hear that. Yeah, or you're like, oh, man, he went into that room where the hammer is, and, like, they zoomed in on the hammer, and, like, he's gonna come back with the hammer. Yeah. Oh, dang, he didn't. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, just just a lot of smart choices. I think the movie's really efficient with its time. It's only 88 minutes, mm -hmm. uh, probably less, uh, not counting credits, yeah. as far as actual movie goes. Um, I mean, it's, like, 10, 15 minutes of setup, maybe 20, but probably not, mm -hmm. and then just boom, and, and boom for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which his, his Evil Dead is set up much like that as well. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about this twist. Okay. So the twist is that his daughter has been killed in a car accident. That's not know. the twist. Yeah. Um, but they go into his basement and... To escape. To escape. Because they saw a door coming out of it on the way in. Mm-hmm. And once they get to the basement, a bound and gagged woman... Comes out of nowhere and shows them a newspaper clipping that she is the woman who... Ran over his daughter. Ran over his daughter. Yeah. So they try to escape via the basement, but Stephen Lang has already gone outside. And he flings open the basement door and he... Shoots up the place. Yes. Uh, and he's not a very good shot because he's blind. So he's kind of just shooting at whatever makes noise. Yes. And a bullet uh, ricochets and... Kills the woman. Yeah. Which Stephen Lang has a very adverse reaction to, which is kind of weird because he's got her in like a crazy torture dungeon. And it's like, well, why do you care about what happens to this person? Yeah. Well, later well, in the movie, hmm. um, we find out that uh, he, so a bunch of other tense events happen. Yes. And he ends up knocking out the main girl, um, the Jane Levy character. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to her bound up in the same room that in that the woman who killed his daughter was in yeah. and he then reveals that the reason he had such a an adverse reaction is because he felt that she she was found not guilty yes of, the woman who hit his daughter yes of of her crime and he felt that she needed to be held accountable Yes, because her family was super rich, so they were just like, here's some money, don't sue us, or yes. whatever. So he decided that the way he would hold her accountable is by kidnapping her and artificially inseminating her so she would give him a new child. Yes, because that lady was pregnant. Did yes. we say that? I don't... No, we didn't. Okay. Um, and so the reason he had the adverse reaction is because that lady was pregnant. Yeah. And she... <laughs> She died, and he felt that they were the cause of that. Because and they was... showed up at his door. Mm -hmm. Which he's not necessarily wrong about. But he's not necessarily right about it either. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so he feels like this woman must be held accountable now as well. And so he just has uh, his own semen on hand and goes to artificially inseminate her. But she is rescued at the last minute by her... Uh, cohort, and mm -hmm. she then proceeds to beat the crap out of him and dram the turkey baster of sperm down his own throat. Yuck. Yep. Uh, and that's the twist in Don't Breathe. There, He's a crazy rape guy. But he's not a rapist, as yeah, he, he says in the movie. Yes. Oh, man. I, 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 so, you know, I read a review 
earlier this week that was pretty negative about the movie. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about, um, and this might go somewhere a little sensitive for uh, listeners, so just a warning. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how he's usually on the wrong side of the rape in movies, rape and horror movies debate. Like it should be there all the time? No, but like when it shows up, he's one of the, f- like he doesn't cry foul at it very easily. Okay. Um, you you have gone on record before saying you think it happens too much, right? No. No? No. Uh, I tend not to see a lot of movies with rape in them. Okay. Um, I usually don't see them if I find out beforehand. Yeah. I thought you had said that at some time, like it was a cheap shot kind of a deal. Uh, I think it can be. Um, but I also, like, the, the th- here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go on record now and say that I kind of agree with that uh, mm-hmm. in that in order for me to cry foul on it, it really has to be gratuitous. Mm-hmm. If it's there, I think that it should be there. And I don't think that it should be there because I'm pro-rape, mm-hmm. but I think that that is a very ugly and gross part of the human experience for some people. And, you know, I think to shy away from that is to sugarcoat how things are. That's true. I guess I wasn't talking to you, but I was talking to someone that I agreed with, though, that it is used in a rather blasé fashion to where it's used just to get a reaction out of audiences versus it should actually be in the plot. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think you see that more in action movies Mm -hmm. um, than in horror. I feel like a lot of horror is actually pretty justified, Mm -hmm. um, which is what he was saying in the review of like, I'm usually on the quote wrong side of this because a lot of times I view it as like, yeah, it's a horror movie. Mm -hmm. This is very horrific. Um, You know, and I don't think, I don't think that, that, I think the, that if a movie frames it horrifically as this movie does, it can be in there. And I think, yeah. you know, I think there are a lot of people who might cry foul at it um, because it's unnerving. It's really uncomfortable. It made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, which is weird because it's not a particularly, it's the most graphic scene in the movie, but it's not gratuitous or there's no nudity in it, you know. No, I mean, he he sticks a turkey baster in her. I don't actually know if he, he actually doesn't. does that. No. But he's he getting ready was to. going to. Yes. Um, I mean, the thing is, they just do a really good job at making it gross. Mm -hmm. Like, the semen drips out of it a little bit, and it, like, kind of focuses on that, and you're just like, that's gross. Yeah, they do a good job illustrating the horror of what's about to happen, but it doesn't go all the way with it, Mm -hmm. um, which I think that, that was a smart decision. Mm -hmm. Um, the point where I think people are gonna cry foul a little bit is that she doesn't necessarily get herself out of the situation. Mm -hmm. She gets rescued by another man. I didn't have a problem with that because immediately following, she beats the crap out of him and jams the turkey baster down his own throat. Yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah. They do it in a way that's very triumphant for her and the movie. And also, it needed to be in there because, for the most part, you're rooting for the blind man when they break into the house because you're like, well, you, D-bags, are committing a crime. Yeah, it's basically reverse Home Alone. Yeah. The kids are breaking into the old man's house instead of the older guys breaking into the kid's house. Yeah, and so it's like, you guys are criminals, Mm -hmm. and he's just taking care of himself and defending himself. And then that happens, and you're like, okay, 
so and the way it reveals it is really nice too because when you find out he's got like the woman down there it's like okay maybe you're on a little bit more level of a playing field but also you still committed a crime also Mm -hmm. and then you find out the about the crazy insemination stuff and you're just like Oh, no, yeah, he doesn't need to be a person in the world anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine whatever you do to him because he's the worst. Yeah. And so, you know, I think people have been pointing out that that represents a narrative problem with the movie. I think it's just good story structure mm-hmm. of, you know, you just have it escalate. It's just escalation. That's yeah. what it is. A lot cool. of people are like, well, he wrote himself into a corner and then that's how he chose to write himself out. No, I think it it has everything to do with what we're talking about in that... It's that ebb and flow of tension. Mm -hmm. And as a whole movie, it has to come to a certain high point. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to crescendo into something. Yeah. You know, and and it's got to... It's like the horror of what he does has to outweigh the horror of what they do. And in the grand scheme of things, torture insemination dungeon outweighs breaking and entering. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) By a lot. Um, so they, it had to be pretty extreme in order to get you to be like, oh no, yeah, you criminals can dispatch of this much more heinous monster. Yeah. Um, all that to be said, is this a horror movie? Oh, I've already told, said my stance on it. In the last podcast? No, I said it in the very beginning when I, when I talked about it. I said that I liked it a lot as a suspense thriller but i didn't like it as a horror because it's not one no it's not it is not a horror movie um it's being billed as the best american horror in a decade and it's not and also that title goes to drag me to hell <laughs> um it's pretty good that's pretty good too or the conjuring it goes to the oh conjuring. it goes to the conjuring for sure yeah. how dare you <laughs> yeah why did i why did i say drag me to hell um, that was your favorite movie of the year. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so it's it's not a horror movie. No. Uh, there are horrific things that happen, mm-hmm. but it's not a horror movie. It's an action thriller, and it's a really solid, really suspenseful one. Oh, yeah. Um, and I am looking forward to seeing what Fede Alvarez does next. Yeah. I really hope he stays in this genre somewhere. You think so? Yeah, um, I'm hoping he doesn't get caught up in the Marvel machine. Okay. Um, just because I, I would like to see him direct one of those Liam Neeson, they took my stuff movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a nonstop or a Taken um, mm-hmm. or a, a Wolf Puncher. One of those movies, I think, with with the star power and charisma of Liam Neeson in it. Oh, man. I think it would be so great. Yeah. Um, he just makes really smart decisions. And I so think, far. yeah, it's two for two. Yeah. And I think he's, he's gotten the notice of a lot of good people. He's got a lot of good people on his side. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add about Don't Breathe? I just think it was really good. I think that we had already been seeing a lot of really good horror movies that were smaller. Mm-hmm. And I like that it, I mean, people aren't willing to admit it apparently, but it's that kind of attitude and that kind of filmmaking is branching out a little bit yeah it is this is a big year a gigantic year for horror mm-hmm. um what was the horror movie we saw earlier the uh, the witch was a breakout oh, hit yeah. it's not a good movie but it was a breakout hit um and then the conjuring 2 was really solid yeah not as good as its predecessor but few things are because it's a masterpiece the first one lights um, out lights out was solid uh if 
even though it had some weird messaging in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently there's going to be a sequel. What's yeah, up with that? Yeah. Uh, this is really good. And the Blair Witch is coming out next oh month. Oh, my gosh. No, it's this month, sir. Oh, yeah. It's two days after my birthday. It's true. Um, which also looks great and is just, like, capitalizing on, like, I'm there. I'm yeah. just there for Blair Witch. Like, that's all they had to do. <laughs> that's all they had to do was was tell me Blair Witch is coming back. Um, yeah. I, I might have to do a very special episode on, on that. Um, because, man. I don't know what it is, but you should let me know what that's all about. Yeah. I've, I've been toying with it a little bit more as we're getting closer to it, because mm-hmm. I'm crazy excited for that movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think, I think there's this horror renaissance for some reason, and, uh, I don't know why, but I'm down. Um, I think there are a lot of really interesting filmmakers making really interesting movies in this genre right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, that it's a genre you can go to with, that's has just as good of sensibilities as the best of the Marvel Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. without the pomp and circumstance. Okay. And also not a lot of the expectation, you know? Yeah. Um, that plays a big factor. I, it really does, because something like Star Wars Episode Seven was bound to be overhyped. Yeah. Um, like, from the that movie was doomed from its announcement to be overhyped. Uh, at a certain point, the Mar- these Marvel movies are too. And I, one of them's going to be bad. One of them's <laughs> going to be bad one of these days. It's just... One of these days. It's got to happen. Just, just by statistics it's gotta <laughs> happen soon they know what they're doing and so once it fails it's just gonna be this like what it, but with a horror movie when it's super well made you're like oh all right yeah. yeah all right i see you i get it maybe that's what i like about horror movies so much is that i just watch all of them and it doesn't matter if it's bad because i'm already expecting it to be bad yeah that's true that's true as someone told me recently um they were telling me that their significant other loves horror movies. It's me! No. Oh. And I was very surprised by that fact, even though I'd only met this person's significant other once. And he goes, yeah, I know. And it's weird because I like... Good movies? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and what I told him is exactly what you said of like, yeah, there's an expectation on these movies to be kind of bad. So the fact that we're seeing quality ones coming out is really good yeah. and really surprising. And they have that expectation of like, that's probably going to be a little bit bad mm-hmm. as opposed to a Marvel or a, a Star Wars or even a DC movie. We're seeing so much backlash from these DC movies oh, because gosh. they're not that good. And you know, when a horror movie comes out, it's surprising that it's good. Yeah. When a Marvel movie comes out, it's assumed that it's good. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with it. Um, also, they're not, they tend not to be as bloated. Okay. Yeah. Because they're, they don't have, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they agree. are much shorter. Um, yeah. The best horror movies are 80 minutes to 88 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my favorite length for a horror movie. If I see a movie anywhere in the 88 range or, or in the 80s and it's a horror movie, I'm in. I'm okay. down. Uh, I think you really have to work hard to justify a two-hour horror movie. Um, 
And so they, they're just very efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best ones are very efficient. And because of that, you don't have the bloat of the two and a half hour Civil War. Uh, granted, Civil War doesn't oh have gosh. any fat on it. No. It's basically a perfect summer blockbuster. But it is very long. It's very long. It is. Um, you know, or the, you know, oh, to get the best version of Batman v Superman, you have to watch the three hour version. It's like, well, give me the two and a half. Like, <laughs> no, you make that fit the two hour mark. Um, sometimes like you just, you just want to get in and get it done and get out. With horror, it just isn't, there's not a lot of the, the, mythos around it you know it gets in it gets the job done and then it leaves well you can find me at mj smith 891 on twitter uh you are not on twitter but you can find you on instagram hashtag insta hashtag no filter hashtag selfie hashtag woke up like this hashtag literally me (laughs) if you like if you like food pictures everyone likes food pictures no one has ever made fun of that before if you like weird things and if you like puppies and sometimes kitties and a grasshopper and a grass that's what's under weird things in my mind then you should go to at mrs smith's life dot com <laughs> want, want to give that one more time please don't go there i don't know what that is at mrs smith's life Okay, clap back. Mm-hmm. And you can email the show before and after show at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's thatrealperspective, R-E-E-L, dot mm-hmm. blogspot.com. And you can find the YouTube show on YouTube. You can find the podcast over on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, Beyond Pod if you're an Android user. And yeah, uh, share this with your friends because we like making this for you and we want to continue making it. And we gave you kind of an impassioned plea last week uh, to share it with your friends. And it resulted in a grand total of zero shares. I mean, honestly, I don't really... It's a lot of people don't talk about podcasts like you do. It's true. Um, so I understand that it's not in everyone's nature. But also just know that if you don't, it's not guaranteed to stick around. Yeah, but thank you for listening and we appreciate the listens. Uh, and until next time, go watch a Gene Wilder movie. Oh, all of them. Go watch all of them. Go watch every of the Gene Wilder movies. Yes. <laughs>